May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio Podcast. I'm D.C. Puba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, preserving the legacy of Shinju Suzuki and those whose paths crossed his. And anything else that comes to mind, I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship, and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So uh, today we have another person whose path crossed Shunyu Suzuki's Carolyn Morton, the third Morton in a row. First there was Jim, then his brother Rick, and now Rick's wife Carolyn. And Carolyn concludes the Morton trilogy. <laughs> she uh, uh, is another person. I think, yeah, all three of them came uh, from the Art Institute. We're at the Art Institute. So many people at the Art Institute in San Francisco came to Zen Center. In the 60s, I don't know about later, it's just one after another. Uh, hmm. So let's give Carolyn a call after we've had our pause to meditate. So when you hear the bell, hit pause, if you're of such a mind, and meditate or whatever for as long as you like, and then when you're ready to end the meditation, hit unpause. And we'll be there to hit the bell to end the meditation or whatever. And uh, and we will proceed with hearing what Carolyn Morton has to say. Hello. Hi, Carolyn. David here. Yeah, hi, David. How are you doing? How are you? Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. It's, um, it's in the 90s here. <laughs> Unbelievably. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, the weather. Yeah, it's we're not used to this. N- 90s. Wow. And, and it, yeah. do you live in Sausalito? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I know it's usually the high would be in the seventies. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, but other than that, yeah. everything's fine. Goodness, um, hmm. We haven't been experiencing any great increase in heat here in Bali. Oh, uh, is it, is it kind of moderate there? Or, yeah. I mean, do you have seasons? Uh, well, we're pretty close to the equator. I mean, we're, I think we're at eight degrees or something. Uh, so there's, there's only, um, 
an hour and one minute difference between the longest day and the shortest day. We just we just passed the shortest day, like yesterday or something oh, yeah. like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's nicer at this time of year. It's cooler. It's definitely cooler, and uh, it's windier. It's really yeah. This is the best time of year here, from now until like oh. mid December. Um, oh yeah. But um, the thing is that climate change uh, affects uh, the poles the greatest. And as you move toward the the center, the equator, uh, it it's um, it's affecting it less. Uh, but yeah. that that'll equal out later, and it'll become uninhabitable here before there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I would think, I would think, but we'll see. Um, of course, the the human race is showing scant indication it's interested in dealing with that. So I know it's uh, <laughs> pretty sad. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well. But aside from that, how's your how's your life? What's happening with it now? Oh, um, well, I for the last couple of years, not just because of the uh, pandemic, but I well, I had some um, major surgery, and I've been uh, recovering from that. So I I would have mm. been cooped up anyway because. I had to be on oxygen for quite a few months, and um, mm. uh, but I'm off of oxygen now. I've gotten that far, so um, so it's been kind of like a retreat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I haven't been miserable. I, I kind of uh, got to settle down and and do stuff that uh, I was interested in and. Um, you know, not be running around doing errands and driving um, uh, Ethan as our son, who um, yeah. driving him places and things like that. So uh, hmm. I think it's been a pretty positive thing. And I've heard that from some other people, us uh, and people, that uh, it was kind of like a, you know, there are people that can survive without... Um, being busy all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I understand. Mm. Well, so um, Zen people, how how did you get into that Zen stuff? Where do you come from? Oh, I was born in Hawaii, and no um, kidding, no kidding. And but I left when I was. Um, a baby, and uh, I lived in different parts of uh, the U.S., and then when I was about 12, uh, because of my father's job, uh, we went to live in Italy, in Rome, and I um, lived out of the U.S. most of the time until I was 19. Really? Yeah, and um, then I came came back um, to U.S., and uh, for some reason, my parents decided they wanted to live in San Francisco, and um, 
But they looked around and they um, ultimately moved to Sausalito. And, no kidding. Uh, Is that right? Yeah. Wow. And, um, of course, house prices were nothing like they are now, you know. It was right. Reasonable. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. that's, that's how I ended up here. It's... Is the house you all live in there, does it have anything to do with the house uh, your parents lived in? Um, well, it, uh, this is not the house they lived in, but um, my mother started selling real estate, and when she would see something, you know, that uh, seemed like a really good deal, she, uh, she bought it. So this place is, <clears throat> it's... um. A little cottage that was built before the bridge, Golden Gate Bridge, was built. And, um, oh, yeah, it 37. Like, kind of yeah. like uh, yeah, it was built in 1917. And um, oh, it seems, my seems like maybe somebody's weekend place. They'd come over from San Francisco. Or I, don't, I don't really know the history. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's beautiful here, and um, mm. yeah, that's mm. that's really that's nice. nice. Yeah. So um, now, wait, I'm sort of interested. Your your parents, what what different places did you live at in the in the U.S. until uh, oh, you okay. went to Italy? Yeah, um, I lived in. Um, Tucson, Arizona. My uh -huh. father taught uh, at University of Arizona. He taught ROTC. Oh. He was military. And um, then lived uh, for a few months in um, um, near Pacific Grove, you know, in um, Oh, sure. Wow. Around there. Wow. And uh, he went to Army Language School. And then uh -huh. Yeah, um, I think it's still the, there. The DLI, the Defense yeah. Language Institute. Is that what it's called? Yeah. It used to be Army Language School. Anyway, it's huh. um, we went to Washington, D.C. for about six months, you know, like in preparation for going to Italy, where he was part of the U.S. Embassy. Mm -hmm. So we, we oh. lived in, in Rome there. Um, and that was uh, quite an experience. And for how um, long were you in Rome? Uh, three years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was twelve, and um, uh, went to a kind of uh, girls' Catholic international school with uh -huh. people from different parts of the world, mm. and. Uh, then, of all places, I, my junior year in high school was at Fort Hood, Texas. Oh, yeah. Far out. Yeah. So I went to school in Colleen. And oh, God. That was culture shock. <laughs> yeah. Real culture shock. And then um, we went to uh, Latin America. Um I lived in um, 
El Salvador and uh, Panama. Oh, which, wow. You know, Panama is also on the equator, so I kind of <laughs> know what you mean. But um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really, it's really right, right there. Our, it is. Our, Somewhat north of it, but... Uh, I guess so. I yeah. thought it was really pretty close. And yeah. so, you know, that was sweltering hot. Anyway, yeah. then um, then we came, after that, came back and headed towards San Francisco. And um, most, well, except for living in Japan, um, I've been here well I did live in San Francisco uh, itself but uh, after Japan I came back to Sausalito wow wow so uh, how old were you when they moved to San Francisco I was uh, 19 yeah so what did you do then oh um, I had always uh, thought I would study art. So um, I went to San Francisco State and studied art. And um, then I, um, do you remember Peter DeGesu? Oh, of course, very well. Yeah. Um, I was wandering around one day in San Francisco looking for an apartment. Um, and uh, I didn't know him. I just bumped into him and we started talking because I said, do you know any place to rent and so on. And he told me about the Art Institute, which I had never seen. Um, so I went over there and um, um, found a place there in North Beach and um, started studying art there. Mm. And, you know, I had jobs of a whole bunch of different jobs, um, you know, to support myself. Hmm. And what year was that? Um, let's see. It was the early 60s. I'm not exactly sure. What year uh, were you born? 1940. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. So you moved to San Francisco in 59. No, my parents moved to Sausalito when I came back. Um, oh, uh, I mean, yeah, they moved to Sausalito. Well, yeah, I, I, did, I did live in Sausalito when I went to San Francisco State. But then I uh -huh. um, moved into San Francisco on my own. Well, I shared a place with some yeah. other people from the Art Institute. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and in those days, just like a lot of things, the um, art art institute was something you could pay for if you had a job, you know, a part time job. Um, yeah. Whereas now, in recent years, it's been like going to Stanford or something. Yeah. Yeah. Although in recent years, it's just been trying to stay um, in business. Well, I, I heard it was sold, unfortunately, to um, UCSF. Oh, is that right? Is yeah. that right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Mm. Um, so, uh, well, where did you, um, uh, well, I, I wanted to ask you where, what was your first contact with the Zen Center and uh, Suzuki Roshi? But, oh, yeah. Uh, but before I ask that, what what were your first inklings or did you have any of, of you know, what's the meaning of life? Who am I? Uh, uh, what's all this about? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, um, do you want to hear this story? I, yes, I, that's why I we're was, here. Yeah, when I um, lived in Italy, then my parents and my brother and I went on a, um, trip, you know, like summer vacation and uh, visited different countries. And uh, we were in Germany um, on a bus going to visit um, uh, one of the castles uh, that was built by Mad King Ludwig. And um, uh, um, we had waited and waited for the bus, and then this man finally showed up to drive the bus. He was wearing lederhosen, and um, he jumped on the bus, mm. and we took off, and he kept hitting the markers on the side of the road. And after a while, I mean, it's kind of alarming. After a while, uh, he hit something, and the bus rolled down the hill. On Goodness. And the seats all broke loose and everything. Anyway, I thought, I'm going to die. I'm only 14. I think I was 14. I thought, I'm going to die. And then my life, as they say, my life flashed before my eyes. And um, it's really amazing when that happens um, in a, who knows, a minute Everything that ever happened to you, at least it feels like it, looks like it, replays. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. I have I know other people that yeah. has happened to. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. So anyway, we all survived. Um, people just got kind of bruised up. Oh, the bus rested against some a bunch of trees or something, finally. And um, so we climbed out of the bus, and nobody was seriously hurt. And the bus driver disappeared, of course. <laughs> and um, so we uh. waited. And, and anyway, but it, it started me thinking about, you know, that uh, our mind isn't just our everyday conscious, you know, everyday mind yeah I guess we call small mind and um, it uh, it was a really um, profound experience for me so that I anyway I was very interested in how the mind worked after that mm. 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 And uh, were there any developments, or did you run into anything uh, 
that you can remember um, in that um, that was related to your wondering how the mind works and that sort of thing? Well, just um, just having that experience made me curious. Um, you know, it, it uh, had a, a big effect. Um, yeah. Well, so then, uh, so you're in, you're going to the Art Institute, yeah, uh, and you're in San Francisco, yeah, uh, and this is early '60s, yes, uh, and uh, so, how did you happen to uh, first go to the uh, Zen Center? Well, um, one thing uh, that happened before I, um, I had a job at, um, I don't know, have you heard of Flax? It's an art supply store. Yes. And um, it used to be in the financial district, and it was, like, very busy, high pressure. And I was a cashier there. And um, one day, this very small Japanese man wearing this, unusual outfit um it was a light brown long coat kind of um i don't remember if it was exactly kimono style but it was very tailored looking and he had a square hat square hat on and um he wanted some japanese rice paper and i helped him but i never forgot him because he was, you know, reserved, but uh, he was kind in a different way than um, most of the people I was waiting on there, you know, were, I don't know, aggressive or <laughs> um, impatient or whatever. I, it was yeah. just somebody out of all the people that um, I helped uh, there, I remembered. And um, I didn't think about Zen, but, uh, oh, and the other thing was I had been to Japan on a trip when, uh, during that time, I was probably about 20. And um, I just uh, really appreciated a lot of things about Japanese culture, just visiting there. And, um, mm. you know, curious mm-hmm. about that. And um, let's see. Okay, so then I went to the Art Institute. And um, I kind of thought Zen was something like Jack Kerouac, you know, on the road. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I didn't read any, um, you know, profound Buddhist books at that time. Uh, anyway, um, let's see. Oh, okay. So I was going to the Art Institute, and um, Rick lived around the corner uh-huh. and, uh, in North Beach. And um, he would come over, uh, the place I shared with some other people, and um, then I'd get locked out of my place. You know, it was like a recurring thing. I'd forget my key or something. And so I go over to Rick's and uh, wait till somebody 
would come back to my place and and talk to him. And um, I was, he said, oh, sometimes uh, some friends and I would go visit Rick and try to get him to go out. And he said, no, I have to get up at 5 a.m. and, you know, go to uh, the Zen um, Sokoji. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought that was crazy. Every yeah. day, you know, I thought every day. And, um, but he was determined. Um, so I was curious, you know, again, about what uh, Zen was. And he mm-hmm. bought a bicycle for me. And um, we rode across town, really, through the Broadway Tunnel, Stockton Tunnel and Broadway Tunnel, and across to uh, Sokoji. That's a long um, way. And you went you went there for the morning zazen? Did you, were you going to the 5 a.m. one? Um, I don't know. Were there two in the morning or just one? Uh, there were two in the morning. I don't. There, there was one in the morning, and then it went to two. And I don't know when it went to two. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it was two when I arrived. Yeah. Uh, Rick and I arrived about the same time in, in uh, like, September of 66 or something. Oh, yeah. Um, that's right. Well, I guess I met him when he first arrived. Anyway, um, whatever time it was, it was the earliest I'd gotten up in decades, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was really hard. I mean, I, uh, my schedule was, you know, uh, and other people where I lived, you know, you stayed up till 3 in the morning working on artwork because that's um, a good time to work on stuff, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, slept till about 11, so... Um, it was uh, pretty hard. So then uh, I think Rick went to uh, back uh, for the practice period. So he was gone, and I would go to Sokoji sometimes, um, but not every day in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so then... Um, It was not like my expectations. Of course, it was very formal. But still, I um, I just uh, was very drawn to it. Mm. And um, so uh, I think Rick was still away. I um, signed on for a one-day sitting, and um, that was really hard. <laughs> For me, I remember sitting next to Della, Della Gertz, uh-huh. and, you know, she's so patient. And uh, I was wiggling and moving probably pretty constantly. But uh, she, you know, was just really kind about the whole thing. So I, mm. I did that. And then I um, maybe a couple of months later, I... Um, Went to, uh, was a one-week or 10-day, one maybe a one-week 
sitting. And um, no, there were never uh, any ten day. No, I guess it was one week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, that was really hard <laughs> too. But um, I went into have Doksan with Suzuki Roshi, and um, to my horror, I found myself saying, I want to go to Tassahara. And he said, fine, because <laughs> I wasn't really a regular, you know, mm-hmm. And um, so then I, well, some I heard from someone that uh, the board disapproved of that, but Suzuki Rokishi said, no, she can go. So, um, there you go. <laughs> that sealed my fate. And uh, I got a job uh, delivering mail at the post office in North Beach in Chinatown to save up some money. And um, so I did that for a few months and then um, went to Tassara in the fall of um, 69 and the spring of 70 and and part of that next summer. Um, mm. So oh. that's kind of the outline. <laughs> right. Well, how that works. do you have any, so when you came to Sokoji, do you have mm-hmm. any uh, memories, say, of, uh, of people, of, uh, of oh, yeah. Suzuki? And- oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, we sat in the room upstairs. Uh, and then you would have to walk through his office after Zazen mm-hmm. and bow, bow to him. And for some reason, I would get paralyzed when I got close <laughs> to the door. And um, I, I don't know why. But anyway, um, the person behind me would have to give me a shove <laughs> to go through the door. And, wow. Um, yeah, and you know I would bow to him, and um, um, he was always, I'd say, very kind and formal, in a formal way. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't like he was someone a pal or anything like that. It was uh, just a very formal relationship. Yeah. And, but, you know, and Katagiri was there, too. And mm-hmm. um, I i don't know. I never met people who had certain qualities, which I don't know how to quite put in words. But um, I don't know. I, I really love them. Not in some kind of romantic way, but just as people, mm-hmm. and I think that helped. Um, just helped mm-hmm. with practicing Zen, which was um, quite difficult for me, as far as you know, sitting and all the chanting, and well, we didn't have so much chanting. At Sakoji, as I remember, didn't we just chant the Heart Sutra? Three times. Oh, was it three times? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. In in you know in Japanese. Yes. All right. right. And the the old the old Japanized Chinese really yeah, or that's the, right. Yeah. Sino Japanese. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. So um. Anyway, that's pretty much how I got started. Um. You know, I, oh, also I had been to Tassajara before Zen Center bought it. And, oh, that's um, here. Yeah, I, um, a friend of mine uh, who was not connected with Zen Center and I um, were invited to visit Tassajara by, um, I think he was the cook there, Jim Cook was the Jim cook. Jim Cook, right. Which right. I thought, did you know him? Yeah, well, back then uh, I knew him, you know, for a while. Um, he was uh, around, when we first came there, he was around some. and uh, uh, Because I moved down there right after we bought it. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, at least he was visiting. Uh, I mean, I know I met him and I remember him. I don't know if he was still living there or if he was living there. Maybe he was living in Big Sur. But anyway, yeah, I remember Jim Cook. And he yeah. had, um, he had, uh, when Suzuki first went there before it was bought, he had made uh, dinner for Suzuki. And he made him uh, like brown rice and miso soup and stuff like it. Made everybody else hamburgers and <laughs> Suzuki. <laughs> Said, I like hamburgers and took one of the hamburgers. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was an interesting trip, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember the bar was just packed with uh, mostly men, um, you know, in their hunting gear. Uh, mm -hmm. Drinking at the bar. Oh, and as you remember, it was uh, the road was one way going in um, to Tassajara. You had to call ahead. Oh, and, you were uh, there. That they were still doing that when you went. What year was yeah. that? Well, I didn't know that I, was that recent. Wow. No, no, that was um, when I went to visit before I went to the. Maybe they had widened the road by the time I went to the um, practice period. Uh, but, um, yeah, well, well, uh, when I, I first I rode it, rode that road in like February of '67, and uh, it was two way, but people couldn't pass. And if you came across a car, uh, one of you would have to. If you were in a place where it was wide enough for both to go, they would. But if you were in a place where it wasn't. That what you want is for the person on the the upper end, the higher end, to back up to a place where the other person can pass if possible. Oh, wow! Well, uh, I think I'd want to back <laughs> up there. But, yeah. um, so wait, I want to know what year they were still doing that. They had that well, phone on top to to call. Yeah. Well, you phoned from Jamesburg. You had to stop at Jamesburg oh. and ask to use the phone, and you'd call to see if anyone was coming out. And so it must have been, 
well, let's see, Zen Center bought Tassahara in 67. Is that 66, it? December. Oh, 66. I was probably shortly before they bought it. Really? Really? Yeah. Huh. Maybe maybe when you went in there was um that see I've always associated that with further back uh maybe there was um uh a particular problem there or something. Uh that that's very interesting. I didn't know that. Anyway. I'll try uh, to remember what year that was, but I can't uh, quite well well it was remember. It was when the Becks owned it, and it so yeah. they were only yeah. there six years, so it was sometime pretty near then. Uh, I, I had no idea that, but, but there used to be a phone on top, uh, on up top. there, yeah, because oh. the road the road was uh, two way uh, until uh, oh, uh, I mean this is long ago is was the way I looked at. It. The road was mm-hmm. two-way and, until, uh, like, where you start going down the last four miles. Yeah. Uh, and, and there was a phone up there, and there was a, a, a wire, a line, running from Tatsara all the way up to there. Mm-hmm. And people would call from there. And uh, uh, that line was just between there and Tatsara. And uh, uh-huh. would see, uh, you know, because they they w- they wouldn't have someone going, uh, they wouldn't have two cars uh, going different directions on the road at the same time. But I have always thought of that as, as you know, much earlier. Uh, oh. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, that's I think that's the directions we were giving given to the call ahead uh-huh. to make sure nobody was coming out. And yeah. um, it was a pretty wild ride. I um, Actually, <laughs> um, uh, my friend and I, we stopped near a little after Jamesburg. There's some houses um, back in the hills. And um, so we stopped there, and some of, someone gave us some LSD. And... Um, huh. Uh, I know Mark Lewis, isn't he, he had taken LSD when he went into Tassahara. Yeah, that well, was, uh, that was 69. Uh, yeah, he was there when I was there. Oh, but, uh, yeah, that was 69, maybe that was, yeah, that was 69 when that happened. That's quite a story. <laughs> it is. But, yeah. but this ride was like being on some kind of um, crazy carnival ride. You know, the road was just zigzagging all over the place, um, riding in. I don't know how we ever made it there. Huh. Uh, you mean you took LSD on your way into Tatsahara, and this is before Zen Center owned it? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was uh, the visit before, but um, it was evening, and um, so we stayed just one night, and uh, the next day, and uh, the LSC had worn off by the next day, thank God, 
And um, so, you know, I thought, what a fantastic place. Yeah. Kind of was surprised to hear when Zen Center bought it. Mm. Yeah. You know, mm. place I would have liked to go back to. Uh, so, um, so I did. And in uh, the fall of 69, and um, it wasn't quite like my previous trip there, which had been relaxed and, you know, really enjoyable and beautiful. No, it was fall. The valley was getting really dark and cold, and the schedule (laughs) was nothing I had ever experienced experienced in my life, and um, I was kind of torn between wanting to hike out of there and um, stick it out. <laughs> so I yeah. did, I stayed. So what was your relationship with Rick at the time? Oh, um, let's see, how do I put this? Oh. We had become pretty close, and um, I thought, uh, I, I just respected that he was practicing Zen, which I felt by that time very drawn to. So um, we decided to go together, and um, or I, I kind of remember he, he had already been for a couple of the training periods and I um, he didn't exactly want to go back but we decided you know that we would both go so uh, oh so you mean when you went in 69 you went with Rick yes I did oh well all right yeah we had cabin 13 which is was by the garden the last uh, uh-huh. uh-huh, on the garden side of the, the side, roads yeah. there. Yeah, it's the one right next yeah. to it. Nice cabin, nice cabin. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, with with uh, with uh, mm, that um, mountain right behind you, threatening to yeah. rain boulders down on you. <laughs> I never that never crossed my mind. Well, it happened. <laughs> it did I mean, happen. We didn't lose. We we didn't have. We we never lost a cabin there. Any damage that I can remember. But further down, there were uh, there were some serious big. I mean, really big, like uh, uh, almost Volkswagen size. Um, uh, you know, boulders. Came down oh at some different really? times. Yeah, Ugh. down toward the end before it before it uh, peters out, and you have to cross the creek to keep going that direction. Oh, uh, wow. you know, by the lower barn. Yes. Yeah, even before oh. the lower barn. So wow. not, you're just on the other side of the swimming pool, you know. Uh, uh-huh. But I I can't quite remember. Well, but yeah, and some of them have come down since we've owned it, mainly before. Oh, it's, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
So, um, so uh, how was it at Tassara then? Well, you know, uh, like I said, I'd never experienced anything so um, scheduled since I had, well, the the girls' school I went to in Rome was very formal also uh, in its way. And, um, but since then, you know, and especially going to art school, um, it was um, completely unscheduled, uh, you know, except for showing up for classes at the Art Institute. Um, yeah. You just yeah. kind of did whatever you felt like. So, uh, um, so I'd say outwardly, it was kind of uh, very, very difficult for me. Yeah. But in, inwardly, it was what I needed. And um, I remember Suzuki Roshi saying once, something like a, a monastery is like a hospital for the spirit. Mm. And um, that made sense. Mm. So mm. yeah, I I, I really um, it was hard, but you know there were really enjoyable things too. Um, yeah, I uh, when it got cold and dark, and the winter really started. I don't know. I think, I mean, I was really cold in the winter. My feet were so cold in the Zendo. Uh, you know, I, I just that the physical things were, and, and the schedule was, I mean, I, I go to sleep uh, and didn't experience it. It's so I went to sleep and would wake up with no sense of any time passing and the wake up bell was going by. Mm. In other words, mm. you know, it's, it's as though I was sleeping maybe, um, seven hours, but it felt like I hadn't slept at all. Uh, uh, uh-huh. seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. Something uh-huh. like that. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So how long were you there? Uh, well, the fall and um, what is it, about three and a half months in the fall. And then uh, went back over, you know, the Christmas holiday to uh, visit my parents and everything. And then um, went back in the spring of um, 70. Did you go for the practice period? Yeah, yeah. Then you went in the winter of 70. Oh, I guess you would call it the winter, yeah. Yeah, it would um, start in January. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, of course, it was still freezing cold. But, um, you know, it was wonderful. That's when Tatsugami uh, oh, yes. led the practice Tatsugami. period. Yeah. He... Um, I I, uh, uh, <laughs> I uh, 
was a little underwhelmed by Tatsugami. Mm. Oh, let, let's hear more. Well, I just thought he was very pompous and uh, he didn't have the qualities I admired in the other teachers. Yeah. You know, I just wondered what he was doing there. <laughs> mm. I mean, I know he was supposed to be teaching all the rituals and stuff, which weren't really, to me, I guess I liked it better when it was simpler. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, I didn't think that was really important, but that was just my take on it. Yeah. But, yeah, I found him kind of humorless and stuffy and like I said um, mm. so so but anyway you got through the practice period Any? do you have any particular m memories of it or um let's see well um I had been working in the sewing room, which was all dark and working on black cloth with black thread. Uh, you oh, know, wow. it was pretty grim. And um, then... Uh, yeah, lit by kerosene lamps. Yes, lit by kerosene lamps, exactly. And, yeah. um, of course, you remember Amy, Amy Richmond. Oh, yes. And Amy and I were transferred to the garden. So we were outdoors. Um, so that was a, a really nice change. Yeah. And um, uh, out there digging one day, I just felt um, it was starting to get warmer. And I just, digging away, I felt like this... Um, you know, like a tree with a sap rising in the spring. Yeah. And uh, I just felt this something, you know, something like that. Hard to describe. Mm. And I, I kind of couldn't help laughing. It was just such a welcome feeling after the long, hard winter in the sewing room. Mm. And um, so that's one memory. Um, then let's see. Well, I don't know if you were there, but Rick and I got married there. By yes, situation. I was there. I was there. You were? Uh -huh. Yeah. That, that was in July. Yeah. Um. You know, I felt like um, I didn't really talk, have big conversations with Suzuki Roshi. It was more like, um, you know, the apprentice system in Japan or in in Europe. I don't know if they still do that. You, um, you might uh, 
Well, I know in Japan, people wanted to be apprentices at the museums and learn things. And um, they would just sweep the floor for maybe three years before anyone taught them anything. And um, at the same time, if you're being observant, you're just absorbing things in a kind of nonverbal way. Yes. And I felt like that was my um, experience with Suzuki. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would say he would definitely appreciate that. Uh, uh, uh I know like, uh, Ramana Maharshi, uh, oh, yeah. would, uh, uh, you know, he would meet with people and they would ask him questions, but he said the best is just to sit there and not ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um. Yeah. Uh, You know, he would give the talks, and I appreciated it, but he didn't want people to take notes, as I remember. And um, he didn't feel that it was um, the most important thing, that sitting was really the core um, of the whole thing. I do remember one other thing that just popped in my head. Um, Once I was walking toward the bath, and um, Suzuki Roshi was walking away from the bath toward me, and, um, you know, usually he would just bow, and I would bow. But he um, stopped me and said, um, you should develop a habit of always observing your mind and that was the end of the conversation and um, I kind of didn't know what he was talking about exactly but um, he said you should always observe your mind yes you should develop a habit of always observing your mind so um, I kind of I didn't forget it, but I. it wasn't well until I went to Japan that it kind of took hold of me. And um, while I was doing everything, you know, taking care of my children and um, I taught English in Japan, like everyone, and um, all the different things you do there... Um, that kind of took hold and started um, what self-generating itself. You know, it's it kind of took over. Not that I was um, trying to do it. It's more like it just started happening because of his suggestion, you know, or his um, yeah, instruction or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, so there was that. That was in um, sometime in 70. Uh, I don't think it was very cold out. It was probably later on. 
in, you know, April, May, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, as far as getting married there, as <laughs> this is one of those things like he sh- said and she said, um, Rick remembers it a different way than I do, but I remember talking to Suzuki Roshi and um, in Doksan, and this was one of the longer converse- conversations. And, um, you know, uh, as I remember, Rick came and had said, Suzuki Roshi said, don't you think you should be getting married? And uh, so I talked to him about that, and he said he would um, perform the ceremony there at Tassajara. And... um, Let's see. Just some details about that. Um, But wait a minute. What's the difference between your memory and Rick's? Rick thinks that that Suzuki Roshi said it to me, and I said it to him. But that's not my personality, you know, to say, Suzuki Roshi says we should be getting married, and... um, so you better oh, do it. Oh, you mean Rick says that you said? Yes, he said that I told him, and I remember telling, well, no, he remembers that I told him that Suzuki Roshi said we should get married, and I remember Rick telling me that Suzuki Roshi told him <laughs> that we should be getting married. So what's your memory? Well, my memory is that uh, Rick told me that Suzuki Roshi said we should get married. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your memory is that Rick told you that Suzuki told you you were getting married. No, told him. I mean, told Rick. All right. So what's all right? Rick said Suzuki told him, "Yeah, uh, you should get married." So what's your memory? Well, he said, "Don't you?" He said, "Don't you think you should be getting married?" And my memory is that Rick had already told me uh, what Suzuki Roshi said, you know, to him. And um, so when I went in to talk to Suzuki Roshi, I. Um, um, started talking about it and, uh, you know, what, could we get married at Tassajara? And he said, yes. You see, I, I don't think I would have said to Rick, Suzuki Roshi says we should get married. Oh, yeah, right. I, I would feel like I was pressuring him. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. But anyway, um, it happened, and, um, you know, it was a great uh, experience, a great, um, enjoyable um, day, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did your... 
Did your parents come? No. Um, my sisters, I have two sisters who are twins, and they came. And um, we had had a Japanese teacher, and she came with her children from huh. San Francisco. My parents, um, my mother um, said, um, I can't tell your father. He'll be so upset that you're, you know. Zen was not widely um, accepted in those yeah. days. And, um, of course, my father was ultra-conservative, and um, so they didn't come. Did your father know you were getting married? Did he know no, where you were no, living? No, no, my mother, my mother said, please, just don't. Don't bring it up, you know. Oh, I see. This will just be um, one more thing that he'll be very agitated about. So actually what happened was um, after we left Tassajara, I think it might have been in August, after the wedding and everything, um, we had another wedding in Sausalito. Because my mother wanted to do that. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, that's that's done. That's still done by people. Two oh, weddings. It oh yeah. Yeah. So not a lot, no, but you, but through the years, I've seen it happen. Yeah. Uh, oh, civil uh-huh. and religious are two different religions: Jewish and Christian, or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one funny thing is that the. Um, well, it was an Episcopal church in Sausalito. The um, um, person who married us, we showed him the uh, marriage certificate, you know, but he said, this isn't legal. <laughs> You're going to have to get another one. Of course, it was completely legal. We went to Monterey, yes. and yes. Suzuki, he signed it, and um, uh, we had a couple yeah. of witnesses. <laughs> anyway... Um, well, did did Rick's parents come to the wedding? Well, no, they came um, that summer, but um, they came earlier. I think probably in June, because the wedding was in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came. They thought. I guess Rick said. Oh, we're going to get married at Tassara. So they came, but it wasn't time yet for the wedding. Unfortunately, they uh, but they had visited, and his sister came, and um, hmm. you know they were there for about a week, I think. Oh goodness! Um, hmm. Hmm. Now Rick said that that there was a lot of alcohol uh, oh, after yeah. the wedding. Yeah, crates of wine. Huh. Hmm. And there might have been champagne. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. And, but there's a huge um, lotus-shaped cake that Ed Brown made. Hmm. And that was um, pretty impressive. It, I mean, it was all cut in layers of lotus leaves and... Um, oh, you know, 
Yeah, very nice. Yeah, very nice. Hmm. Hmm. Well, so, so what happened then? Oh, what happened then? We went and stayed at, moved into Page Street. Uh-huh. And um, uh, we were there a while, a couple of years, I guess. Uh, during that time is when Suzuki Roshi died. And mm-hmm. um, then... Um, we moved um, to another part of San Francisco. Um, we kept hearing about these, and this happened in those days, still incredibly inexpensive places. So we were renting this place, and then the owners, the owners sold it, and we had to move. So we moved to another place, and... Um, I do you remember Tim Ford? Yeah. Yeah, he um had been running a place um in Noe Valley and uh that was seventy five dollars a month. And um yeah. it was like an old uh dairy barn, small but small, not not like a big barn, and um had a, a garden in front of it and um so that that was fine. That was great. And then they sold that. <laughs> so then we moved to um, Lombard Street where John Welke had been living. Um, oh, yeah. Remember John Welke was married yeah. to uh, Ruthie. Uh, what was her name? Uh, I think. I think that was her name. Anyway. Um, was she a Zen student? There. Yeah. They both lived at Page Street. Uh huh. I might have her name wrong. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, they were down the hall from us at Page Street, and um, okay, so then this other the place we moved into that was great. That also cost like a hundred and twenty-five dollars a month, and um, they sold that after a year so then I was sick of being bumped from place to place and we decided to go to Japan and um, um, I was I had always been pretty adventurous because um, of moving to different countries and things I was intimidated by that Oh, and I had heard, well, at Sokochi, um, one afternoon, Gary Snyder was there, and um, uh, three or four other people, we were standing outside um, the Zendo, and Gary Snyder said, you know, you can go to Japan and teach English and earn what, what sounded like an incredible amount of money. You know, like, I don't know, $15 an hour or something. And um, that kind of, I put it in the back of my mind somewhere. But after having to move out of three different places um, in San Francisco, I, uh, 
remembered that. And um, Jim was living in Japan and Sally, Sally Block. And um, so, uh, let's see, I think they found us a place to live. And we went to Japan. And that was, that was in the 70s, actually. 70, um, 75, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, we stayed there three years, taught English, and um, um, let's see. You lived in Japan for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I went there in 88. That's when you could really make money. I don't think you were making $50 an hour back then teaching English. Not not 50, 15. 15. Oh, 15, yeah. When I I was there, you could make 50. Wow. uh, In fact, we we made 100, over 100 sometimes uh, in an hour in in group classes or even in like teaching a doctor individually. But, um, uh, but you know, uh, yeah, that was the height of their economy. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, the economy was good then. Yeah. Mm, but, but yes, but you could do quite well when you were there, uh, yeah. too. Uh, you certainly get by, yeah. And, yeah, uh, but say the money we were earning was under the table. It was not working for any Japanese company. Uh, no, we had I, our own, we had our own school. Oh, you had a school. Yeah. I just, um, you know, people passed jobs along to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and people in the neighborhood would ask, uh, you know, they're yeah. all so enthusiastic about learning English. So I taught groups of children and housewives. And and you were doing other, it other independently, people. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. That's the way to do it. Would not have signed on. But yeah. I, I did I did go to Osaka on the train and teach at a company uh, just mm-hmm. once a week. And Yeah, but if fine. you're teaching at a company, that's good, too. Just yeah. not working for a company that uh, teaches English. That That's the worst. Yes. No, that was the worst. <laughs> I, I remember Jerome, Jerome came to Japan, and he had a job all lined up with some company. And, um, you know, they really get you on a schedule that uh, doesn't oh, give yeah. freedom. Oh, yeah. Make you sit around and stuff. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, no. Never. Uh, people would work for, I'd pay people $50 an hour. I had classes oh. that I would pay people $50 an hour to teach, and I'd make $50 an hour off it. That's amazing. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't work a lot. We didn't try to make a lot of money. We just worked less. And the most we ever worked was 20 hours in a week. And the, then, but down toward the end, it was getting down to a few hours a week, and other people were doing it. And we sent money back to America, and we saved some, but could have uh, made a lot of money. But yeah, just 
you know, did other things, studied things. Did you study yeah. anything or have any relations um, with Japanese? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, my daughter was born there, so that was um, time-consuming. And, well, yes. our son, Ethan, was, let's see, if we went in 75, he was about three. And then Anne was born there. Um, and... Uh, between teaching English classes and, um, you know, taking care of them, uh, I, I did take Japanese classes, and I, I could talk to my neighbors and mm -hmm. do, you know, things, but I wasn't hardly, I wasn't fluent at all, you know, I, just enough. I mean, I'm sure grammatically, I sounded probably like a baby. But <laughs> I could communicate, you know. I could yeah. talk to people. And uh, I enjoyed lots of people that I met there, Japanese people. And um, one thing I did that um, uh, I was teaching a night class through some university um, in Kyoto. And um, after the class... Um, man in the class came up to me and he said um, he worked for a publishing company and uh, would I write a book for their uh, company and um, of course I said yes although I'd never written a book before mm. but um, uh, they it was a publishing company and they published books for high school students in English mm. as part of the their publishing um, thing. So um, I uh, somehow or other did it. I um, It was the summer and as you know Kyoto is sweltering in the summer. That's right. And <laughs> yes. really incredibly uh, muggy. So yeah. um, Kyoto's good I in the fall, in the spring. <laughs> yes, yeah, those times are beautiful. But um, the summer, uh, so I got to go to an air conditioned coffee shop and sit there and write and mm. um, have a cup or two of coffee. So that was actually a big treat for me, mm. and. Um, I don't know. It took me maybe a couple of months to write the book. Um, and uh, since these schools would buy huge amounts of books, um, I heard that uh, they sold about 100,000 copies. Um, did, you, did you make anything of it? I did, but I not any royalties. I just um, it was I called work remember. for hire. Work for hire. That's yes. if you. Is that, that's yeah. what it's called. Okay, yeah. so I just got a flat rate, yeah. and at that time, um, we kind of really needed to come back to America to get some uh, help for our son, who. Um, had been diagnosed as being autistic. And um, so it was really time to come back. 
Um, so that that money from the book helped mm. to get back and everything. Mm. But uh, you know, I have really good memories of Japan, and then sometimes I'll ha- I've had nightmares where. I'm standing in uh, the place that we lived, and it's the size of two walk-in closets and, um, you know, really tiny, like some old samurai movie-type place. Yeah. And, um, you know, the snow would blow through the kitchen in the winter, and um, it was pretty uh, primitive. So... Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) But uh, all in all, I I really loved uh, kind of immersing myself in the culture and um, the people I met were, mo- for the most part, really kind and helpful. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, we came back in... Uh, Seventy-eight. Hmm. So what happened then? Oh, what happened? Then? <laughs> um. You know, I would um go to uh, sessions, like at mm-hmm. Page Street, and um, Katagiri. I I can't remember what year he went to Minnesota. Oh, he went to Minnesota in like seventy four. Early seventies. Yeah. Even maybe so late we, late seventy three. Right. Yeah. I think that's the way I remember it. And yeah. um, but he would come visit. Yeah. At, right. Um, at uh, Page Street, and um, I would talk to him when he came into town, and I. You know, for me, he was just such a huge um, uh, just so effective in his way i I can't even <laughs> um you know he didn't get the attention Suzuki Roshi did, and yet uh, I don't know, I just thought he was just. A really good teacher. Yeah, I always considered him one of my teachers. My teachers were Suzuki and Katagiri. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it was. I mean, Katagiri would say Suzuki's your teacher. I had a friendlier relation with Katagiri. It was yes. less formal, sometimes a little formal. Yeah, depend depend on the yeah, situation. I, I found that yeah. too. It was just easier to. Um, well, he could be very funny, I found. Mm-hmm. I thought Katagiri really had a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, um, a sense of humor is pretty essential mm-hmm. if you're studying Zen. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I would see him. When he came back uh, to San Francisco every, I don't know how often, 
maybe every couple of years or maybe more. And um, so, uh, let's see. I Yeah, I would go to sessions and then um, every so often, you know, when I could do it. And um, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I... I said to Katagiri, well, you're not here very often. Um, I'm kind of, you know, at loose ends. And he said, well, why don't you talk to Reb? Um, he's very nice. And, I, you know, for me, everybody that I'd been at Tatar with was a contemporary. Yeah. You know, but, but Reb was uh, very helpful. I would mm. talk to him pretty often. And, um, yeah. Um, let's see. So, then I would go to Green Gulch, which was really a little easier for me uh, to get to than in San Francisco. And that went on for a while, a few years. And then one day I was... Um, at a garden store, and I saw uh, ran into Steve Stuckey, and he said, um, "Oh, he had a group at his house, and um, I was welcome to come." In Gersto Park in San Rafael. Yes, I know you came a few times, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I lived around the corner. I'd go there sometimes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember you coming there, yeah. and. Um, Anyway, I, I visited, um, I like to visit different groups mm-hmm. um, Me too. in different parts of the country. And, uh, oh, I did visit in Minnesota, too. I stayed oh. there for a week. How was that? Yeah. Oh, that was great. There was a kind of week-long program that Rick and I went to. And um, Rick's parents were taking care of our children. And um, during that time, and mm. um, so anyway, it was a program with uh, uh, a bunch of sitting and different activities and things, and um, small enough that you got to uh, know people to a certain extent. You know, it was friendly. So that was mm. uh, a good experience. And... Um, Oh, we visited some other groups. Uh, you know, um, Okamura. Uh, oh, Shohaku. And, yes, and, uh, Shohaku. Was he, well, he was in Minnesota after Katagiri died. Before that, he was in Massachusetts, and then he went yes. to uh, Springfield. Uh, no, not Springfield. That's in Bloomington, uh, Indiana. But did you see oh. him in Massachusetts? Uh-huh. We went to, um, I have a photograph I just came across a few days ago of, um, of uh, I think it's him, outside, the, I think there were four monks from Japan living in this little um, kind of a, well, a, it was kind of a shack <laughs> in, in uh, Oh, I know, I know where that that was. Yeah, that yeah. Did you go there? 
Well, no, I haven't been there, but uh, Shohaku, I did a podcast with him, and he talked about it, and recently I was sent something. that That's still going. It's a uh, Soto Zen practice place that was started by Shohaku and some other uh, disciples of... Uh, of uh, Kotoswaki, uh, Uchi, maybe uh, after Kotoswaki, Uchiyama, uh, in uh, you know from uh, from Antaiji in Kyoto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so I had no idea that was still um, going. Yeah, it's still going. Uh, I, 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 I can't remember the name of it. I think at it. that time, at least we called it Antaiji East. Oh, hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Place that Shohaku's, um, uh, where he was, uh, that was in Massachusetts. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, we we visited in Massachusetts. Um, I don't remember what part it was, but it was kind of um, out in the country. Here it is, Valley, Valley Zendo. Zendo. Okay. Uh, Established in 1976 in Ch- Charlemont, Massachusetts. It's a sister temple of Antaiji oh. in Japan, where Kosho Uchiyama was Roshi. S- Steve Urich and Kocho Ichida arrived from Japan and began raising funds to create a Zendo in the forest hills near the Vermont border. Uh, Ichida was joined by Aishin Ikeda and Shohaku Okamura. Uh, Reverend Isho Fujita was the resident teacher from 87 to 2005. He's translating uh, Zen Mind Beginner's Mind now into uh, Japanese for like the third or fourth time for the a new edition. Really, it's always in print there. A new edition? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, well, Samga, who had it last, uh, went out of business. That was publishing Crooked Cucumber. He was oh. also involved with Crooked Cucumber. He did um, Zen is Right Here. Uh, he was involved with, well, I think he might have just translated a little book I did uh, with vignettes about Suzuki. Oh, I, I think I saw that book. I I think I got it from the library here and ah. read it. I was always a big fan of Thank You and Okay. Ah, well, you're you're a, a, a woman of taste and discrimination. I'm making an audio, audio book out of it right now. Oh, you are. I'm going to have to listen. Yeah. I'm uh I've got a bunch of other things I'm doing and I feel these tugs in different directions, but um uh, Shambhala is ready for it. You know, Crooked Cucumber came out last year as an audiobook. But anyway, oh. there you were in Valley Zendo. 
on Taiji East. Yes. That's really interesting. Um, all right. Uh, thanks yeah. for reminding me of that. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was great to see these different places. I think the other, yeah, we went to Tale of the Tiger. Which is, I, I just want to remind uh, uh, that Tale of the Tiger was started by Chogyam Trumpa. That's right. Uh, and it's, what is it, just a practice place on the East Coast for... Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't know what it is now. Yeah. I, I just remember a bunch a bunch of people, and they, they were friendly, and... It's it's got another name now. Uh-huh. Well, oh, we did visit the other triple place in Boulder. Uh, oh. And oh, yeah. Bob Halpern was there, living in Boulder at that time. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> I don't know. Is Bob Halpern still around? I Yeah, yeah. He's in Nova Scotia, uh, you oh, know, yeah. where they went there. Tale of the Tiger is now called Karma Choling. A Shambhala Buddhist Meditation Retreat Center in Community in Barnett, Vermont. Oh yeah, I've heard of, I've heard the name Karma Choling. Well, you were there. No. <laughs> yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the other place we visited was um, now what is it called? Uh, you know, Ada Roshi. Oh, uh, you visited. Uh, um, the, um, the one in the country. I spent a couple of days there, I think. Da, is it Dai Bosatsu? Dai Bosatsu. Yeah, Dai Bosatsu is in the Kongoji, and I didn't know the Kongoji. Uh, so that that's probably all of all that I can remember of uh, the Zen. Um, and uh, various Buddhist um, traveling. Oh, yeah, that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. So you all settled in in, in Sausalito, where where Rick's been running that business forever, uh, of uh, antique restoration and finishing and refinishing. and. Yeah, it was in San Francisco for several years and then um, once again the building was sold so then the place in Sausalito opened up um, and um, I also worked um, doing um, well I did artwork uh, restoration on stuff and um, well we restored the um, you know the Bodhisattva at Green Gulch, the one in the front, I think that's. Uh, oh, you mean the really big one? Well, yeah, it's the front altar. Um, it in the in the Zendo. Yes, in the Zendo. Well, that's quite large. Um, what yeah, is it? Is it a Manjushri? <laughs> no, it's Jiso. Jiso. Oh, you did yeah. the Jiso, but that's not the central yeah. piece in the Zendo. It's not. Oh, it is? Oh. Uh, all right, well, all right. Uh, I don't know. I forget. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the altar where 
if someone's giving a talk at that altar. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I, uh, I did different types of uh, restoration, and then I did um, worked on stuff, furniture, painting, hand painting stuff that went in showrooms. Uh, oh, really? I did that for quite a few years. Yeah. You got any uh, any of it online? Don't know. Uh, Rick has. Do you still have your website, Rick? That would show some of the things from the shop. Oh, uh, well, the showroom was called Therian, T-H-E-R-I-E-N. All right, I want to say it again. How do you spell it? T-H-E-R-I-E-N. And that's in San Francisco. And um, Therian what? uh, Therian and Company. It's just very high end um, furniture, you know, hand. Um, oh, you mean, and they were selling things you all worked on? Yeah, the t- those, they, I guess they had some antiques there, but the tables were new. Um, what about your artwork? What, oh, um, the, the artwork it was just. Yeah stuff on the tables or I would get um, Oh, I uh, thought you were doing paintings. I thought you were doing paintings. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I did decorative painting on the tables. Oh, um, I see, I see, I see. I understand now. And um, things would come in like an antique Japanese screen that somebody had messed up by scrubbing it with Ajax. Or something <laughs> Come like on. that. Yeah, I know. Amazing. People would say, oh, the cleaning lady um, thought this needed to be cleaned up. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, what I liked about doing it was that um, it's a big unknown. Uh, you know, you get these jobs and you don't know what to do. Mm. But somehow, something evolves and you get it done it might take a while but um wow you know wow yeah that's something that's something and um you continued with steve stuckey's group and uh i did when it moved to uh oh over oh, there in um Oh, by uh, the Dominican College. Yeah, uh, before Dominican, it was at Falkirk in San Rafael. Uh, oh. Falkirk Center is an old Victorian house. And then after oh, yeah. that, it moved to yeah. to Dominican for several years. Um, it's not at Dominican anymore? Well, during the pandemic, everything went on to Zoom. And um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of put on hold, and uh, it's doesn't look like the group would be going back to Dominican at this oh. point. I used to go sit but, there. Um, did you? Yeah, I sat oh, with a lot of groups in that area. We, I mean, we were there two years. I w- back when St- I lived around the corner from Steve. I was there three years with Elam. And then oh, yeah. before Katrinka and I came to Bali and at the end of 2013, 
we were in San Rafael for two years, and there were about five different Zen groups around there I'd go sit with. Um, yeah. Um, Layla over in uh, Larkspur. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, Carol Paul's uh, the teacher now of Steve's old group, and it's been named uh, Marin. Marin. Count- Meditation Center. Memory and Meditation Center. Well, she sat, she and, and, uh, uh, Al. Al, Al Tribe. Al Al Tribe, yes. Yeah, sat. I'm I'm sitting now on Monday night with Carol Paul and, uh, some other people. Oh, really? On Zoom. Well, there were, there were like a bunch of different groups I'd sit with around there when when I had time. Quite, I'd, I'd make one, I'd, Sat a few times a week with different groups, and uh, uh, but they, they all had talks, uh, and I didn't have time to go sit and go to a talk at every one of these. And so I started skipping yeah. the talks, uh, <laughs> which really worked for me. And uh, uh, the uh, Layla's I liked the best because she didn't give a talk. She'd do a very brief reading. Uh, so oh, I yeah. stayed for the whole thing at her place. Uh, yes, and that yeah, was nice. Uh, we, you know, Layla is um, quite sick. Yes, I know. Yeah, I know. But uh, yes, I do like Layla very much. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, yes, there's groups popping up everywhere. It's mm. kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A little. I always loved the little groups. I mean, I like to visit Zen Center, and and you know, if it's mm-hmm. the Times Right in the city or Green Gulch, I'll sit. But usually, I'm I'm going in to visit or to walk through or something or some specific reason. Tassara, I love to be at like for a week or ten days. Oh and yeah. go, went there many times for ten days through the years and. Wash dishes. Loved it. That's the place. Yes. I, yeah. It's one of my favorite places in the whole world. Really. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. I I love to, I could live there all summer. I'd love to. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't get away from here, though. Um, oh. Yeah. It's <laughs> Because it's just too far or... Um, you can't afford it. This is working. It's can't afford affordable. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, what am I going to? I can't do anything over there. Um, no, it's really hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We pay three hundred and seventy-five dollars a month for rent of a nice home. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, well, you know, I've always heard about Bali. Is it just incredibly beautiful, or? Um, well, it's got that. I don't think it's more beautiful than Marin County, but oh. uh, it's got wonderful people. It doesn't have a lot of guns. It doesn't have any guns. And the only people with guns oh, well. here are the soldiers, or the, the people. Yeah. Every once in a while, there'll be somebody with a, like a, a weapon guarding the bank. I never know why. But there's always, I go to a bank that always has a guard, uh, but it's not for bank robbers. It's for... It's to stop people from fiddling with the ATM machines, uh, so they can oh. uh, they can. It's called phishing. 
Well, no, they don't try to break in. They 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 finagle with them so that when somebody puts their card in there, they're reading the person's card. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I've had that happen to me <laughs> twice here. I never go anymore really? to a, a ATM oh, without a guard. An ATM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, well, that was one thing I really liked about Japan, and I hopefully it's still true. People did not have guns. No, there's no guns. Extremely, this is like Japan. Yeah, there's no, there's no guns in Asia except in the Philippines, which the United States uh, colonized, sort of. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's just not a problem. Uh, and um, also, um, the crime rate's extremely low in most places except the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, crime rate in Japan, I, I guess, would be lower than here, but I don't know. It sort of feels the same. It's like, you know, Katrinka walked home in the dark the other night. And felt comfortable doing it. Yeah, you know, uh, it might be better. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, no. Uh, she was in a place where there was nobody, you know, going down the beach walk. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it would be better at night to walk down the streets to come home to the sidewalks. Uh, but you, we don't worry. We don't worry. Um, very, yeah. very low crime here. Uh, well, it was, yeah, in Japan it was like that. I would sometimes teach night classes and I'd come back and, I felt completely safe, you know, walking in the dark home. India is is yeah, dangerous. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, I wouldn't let Katrinka go walking by herself in the daytime in any place that wasn't uh, well-peopled. Yeah. So you found uh, the, the uh, Zen... Your Zen, uh, running into Zen in your life has has worked for you, um, and uh, seemed to have integrated it well. Uh, Yeah, I I, uh, sometimes think, where would I be if I hadn't kind of seemingly randomly... um, had different um, little milestones that I finally got to Sagoji. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I have no regrets. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, Suzuki Roshi gave us what we needed, really. Yeah. You know, I'm always grateful for that. Uh, do you still uh, watch your mind? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I um, not not the way it was then, where it yeah. was a very intense uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bodhidharma said, "Look directly at mind and become Buddha." Oh. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Quote. yeah, yeah, I like that. 
Yeah. So I guess, is there anything we should say in parting? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good talking to you and these memories, um, kind of, um, floating up and, um, kind of seeing things in retrospect. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been good. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to give you another quote. Suzuki said, uh, <laughs> he'd say, you know, he'd say the reason we practice is, and then he'd say something different every time, right? But one of the oh, times right. he said, so we can enjoy our old age. Really? Yeah, and that's certainly, I've found to be true. He yeah. found that true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I find yeah. that true, too. Yeah, yes, you um, know, this thing about uh, people wishing they could be young again, ha! Huh. Yeah, I know, I thought about that. <laughs> sure, physically, physically young, but I kind of have to be honest, I was pretty miserable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> indeed. Oh, I don't know, I think if I became physically honest, I, I might, uh, I might um, forget. And then yeah. return yeah. to my evil ways. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> my, my Wicked, Wicked Ways. That was a book by uh, Errol Flynn. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah, I read it when I was in high school. Oh, did you? It was great. Oh, yeah. uh, that's funny. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much, Carolyn. Um and uh, hey, write me if you you know you think oh I should have told David so and so just send it in an email. Okay, yeah, I have your email. Yeah, and I've got you know I've got an interview with you on Cuke dot com. Uh, That's right. And yeah. oh hey, send me a picture uh, because oh. when the podcast goes up, I like a picture. Uh, something recent, like within the last 20 years. Uh, oh, my God. I don't think I've had any pictures. Well, then I'll take one. Around. Just, I'll you got one. a smartphone. Just take one and, and send it to me. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I, we, we like one, too, from way back in the past. And if you have uh, one of Rick from way back, uh, I'd like it, too, because uh, I don't use it. To go with the podcast, because there's only one picture, it goes with the podcast. But on cuke.com, uh, on the uh, podcast page, we list all the people who've been guests, and we show, uh, when possible, a picture of them that's somewhat recent, and then okay. a picture of them from the uh, way back then, if we can. Oh, oh, one of those before and after pictures. Uh, before and after, I, we call it now and then. Oh, now, now and then, of course. Um, yeah, you do have uh, on cube dot com. You have a picture of us with Suzuki Roshi uh, at our wedding. Oh well, I can I can take that. I can use that for both of you. But if you have anything else, send okay, it. I'll look. I'll look around and see if. Yeah, um, right. Way back when. Um, yeah, I'll look for something recent, more recent. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and take care. Well, you too. 
and uh, good talking to you. Yeah, good talking with you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So thanks a lot, Carolyn. That's great. Appreciate you talking with us. This has been a Cuke Audio Podcast. I'm D.C. Poobah of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, coming to you from Sleepy Sanur with Doghead, Mandita, Filai Cuchita, and dear lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening.